evidence and answers. Communicating with the deceased is just another way of trying to seek help from the dead rather than going straight to God for his power. The New Testament clearly states, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. As Christians, we don't go through anyone or anything to get to God. We have the privilege of going straight to his throne in prayer. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today's message was taught by Pat and is the third in his series regarding the afterlife. He will explore several topics, so you won't want to miss any. If you're unable to hear this message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat with part three of questions on the afterlife, necromancy, communicating with the dead. We're going through our series on questions about the afterlife, answering some of the most common questions I'm asked about life beyond the grave. Today I'll be addressing communication with the dead. Many long to hear a message from a deceased loved one. Nearly 30% of Americans believe we can communicate with the dead. And psychics like James Van Prague and James Edwards stun audiences with alleged conversations with deceased relatives and family members. Well, can the living communicate with the dead? Well, biblical teaching is quite clear on this. God's Word clearly forbids consulting with mediums or spiritists or anyone who tries to communicate with the dead. Throughout the Old and New Testament, there are passages warning about flirting with the occult. For example, Leviticus chapter 19 verses 26 through 31 states, You shall not eat any flesh with blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Any kind of contact with the spirits of the dead is forbidden. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 10 through 11 says, There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. In fact, spiritism is labeled as spiritual adultery. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6, the Bible says, If a person turns to mediums or necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Spirit contact with the dead in the Old Testament was punishable by death, according to the law of Leviticus. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 and 20, the prophet states this, And when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living, to the teaching and to the testimony? If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. So the Bible clearly forbids spiritism, occultism, necromancy, or or any attempt to communicate with the spirits of the dead. One of the reasons is that the Bible teaches that the dead are not available for contact. One of the 
passages that clearly teaches on this is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. This is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And if you remember this story, the rich man lived in splendor and in luxury while just outside his gate, Lazarus, the poor man, was living in poverty and in need of food and just basic human necessities. The rich man with the ability to help Lazarus ignored him day after day and walked right by Lazarus. So when they died, Lazarus went to paradise to be at Abraham's side and the rich man suffered torment in hell. And there in hell, the rich man gazed and across the great chasm, saw Lazarus at Abraham's side and begged Father Abraham to give him some relief while he was in torment and in anguish. But Abraham stated that there's a great chasm that separates the two. Then the rich man said to Abraham, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. The rich man wanted to warn his brothers, and he was not able to warn them himself because he could not communicate with the living. If he could have, then why did he beg Father Abraham to send Lazarus? It's quite clear he was unable to communicate with the living. His inability to communicate with living is further revealed in that he asked Father Abraham to send Lazarus. If this man could have communicated with the living through a medium of some sort, he would have. But instead, he shows he was unable to communicate with the living. And Father Abraham refuses the request to send Lazarus to his brothers. And it appears that even the righteous dead are not able to communicate with the living. So God forbids believers to communicate or attempt to communicate with the spirits of the dead. And Luke chapter 16 shows that it's not possible for the dead to communicate with the living. Well, a question that I'm often asked is then, what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 28 with the witch of Endor? And if you remember that story, Saul is in great distress and he is surrounded by the Philistine army and facing imminent death, having turned away from God, he goes to the witch of Endor, a medium, and asks her to call up the spirit of Samuel, the old prophet whom once advised Saul, the last judge of the nation of Israel, who had died. So he asked the medium to call up Samuel, the prophet. And so she conjures up Samuel, the prophet, and he delivers a message of judgment unto Saul. Now, what Saul did there clearly was contrary to God's command. In fact, 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13 states, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. So what Saul did was clearly in disobedience to God's word. Well, the person that the witch of Endor conjured up, who was that? Was that the real prophet Samuel, or was that something else? Well, Bible scholars have taken two contrasting positions on this particular story. One view holds that it wasn't Samuel the prophet, that it was indeed a demonic counterfeit. It was a demon masquerading himself as Samuel the prophet. The reasons given are that scripture teaches that the dead cannot communicate with the living and communication with the dead is forbidden 
by God throughout the Old Testament law. And God, therefore, would not allow his message to be transmitted through occultic means, which he forbids in the Old Testament. Now, that's a fine view that's taken there. Other scholars believe it was indeed Samuel the prophet. And the reasons are that, first, the Bible specifically says that it was Samuel who appeared. Second, the medium, she was surprised to see Samuel. When she supposedly conjured up the spirit of Samuel, she was surprised to see a spirit rising there. So apparently this wasn't common. Apparently she was some kind of charlatan using magic and deception. But in this case, she was completely surprised for the spirit she was calling up actually came up. Next, Samuel's prophecy was accurate and the specific predictions that he made did indeed come true. And we know according to Deuteronomy chapter 18, Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10, that indeed only God can prophesy accurately about the future. He's the only one who knows the end from the beginning. And only God's prophets can give predictions that come 100% true. And indeed, that's what happened here. And so on this particular occasion, God brought up Samuel in an unprecedented miracle for the specific purpose of declaring final judgment upon Saul. So this passage doesn't necessarily prove that we can have regular communication with the dead. This seems to be a one-time, unprecedented, miraculous event in which God allowed this one time for Samuel to arise from the dead to give a message of judgment unto Saul for his disobedience. Now, the next question is this then. How do these psychics then get their information? Often they astound people by presenting information that seems to be quite accurate about their deceased loved ones. Well, there are three techniques commonly used by psychics to convince people of their alleged paranormal powers. The three methods are called cold reading, warm reading, and hot reading. Let's take a look at the first one, cold reading. In cold reading, psychics ask a series of leading questions and then observe the person's reaction, his facial and body language, to know if they are on the right track. By effectively applying these techniques the psychic can actually get the individuals to do the reading for him. But one should ask the question here. If the psychic is really talking to the loved one's deceased spirit, why does he need to ask the living individual so many questions? Shouldn't they have the information from the deceased spirit they are supposedly talking to? So there's really nothing supernatural about this technique we call cold reading. Investigators and magicians often use this particular technique to get information out of individuals. The second technique is called warm reading. Warm reading involves making statements that tend to apply to most everyone. And then as positive acknowledgments are given, the questions become more and more specific until detailed answers are finally revealed. For example, Many people carry a piece of jewelry that belong to their dead loved one. And the psychic then may ask the audience, is anyone here wearing jewelry of a loved one? Most of the time, they're going to get a hit from several people. But then he may get a little more specific and say, a circular piece of jewelry, like a ring or a necklace. Well, that'll narrow down the field a little bit more. But you see, those kinds of questions, often there's a percentage of people who will be wearing that kind of jewelry. 
often the psychic through percentages asking questions like that will make a hit. This can then give the impression that the information was received from a supernatural source. But in reality, of course, it may have been nothing more than a highly probable guess. Well, that's the technique of warm reading. And the final one is that of hot reading. Hot reading involves getting information about a person before the reading begins. Sometimes a psychic will glean information from a conversation prior to the reading, or the psychic's assistants will note information from audience members they converse with prior to the event. They will then pass this information on to the psychic, and when he shares it with the unsuspecting audience member, it appears he received it supernaturally. Now, although psychics deny using such a technique, several prominent psychics have been caught using this method of hot reading. Now, there is nothing supernatural about the first three techniques. But where these three techniques cannot explain how someone received information, we must look to a fourth source, a supernatural force, the demonic. God does not allow contact with the dead, and the dead cannot contact and communicate with the living. So if a psychic or medium is actually receiving accurate, detailed information about a deceased person, then then we must consider the fourth source, which would be the demonic. Remember, since the dead are unable to communicate with the world of living, messages from the deceased spirits are not coming from God. Therefore, we must assume they're coming from another source, the demonic. And indeed, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 states that Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. And remember, that's what the demons are. They are fallen angels. Now, being fallen angels, remember that demons and Satan have been around a long time. They have been around for thousands of years. They've been around even before the fall of Adam. Demons are highly intelligent beings and have had years to study individuals. Therefore, It would not be surprising that they possess insights and detailed information on particular people. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 presents this warning. If a prophet or a dreamer of dream arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, this passage teaches several things. First, it's that false prophets can sometimes be accurate in predicting future events. You see, Satan and his demonic hosts have been around for a long time and seeing events that happened in the past. Therefore, they can make some projections limited, of course, to future events. And therefore, sometimes they can make predictions that indeed come to pass. But according to Deuteronomy chapter 18, it's only God who sees the future accurately. And so God's prophets are correct 100% of the time. Predictions coming from demonic sources may be accurate sometimes, but not 100% of the times. Also remember, Satan and his demonic hosts, they are super magicians and super scientists. They've studied 
these arts and techniques for thousands of years. And they're very powerful beings. So they can perform counterfeit miracles. Therefore, it's a warning. This passage is a warning to every believer that they must indeed be discerning. The indication that the message one is receiving from a medium or a psychic, that this is a message from a false prophet, is if he leads you to worship foreign gods other than the true God of the Bible and his teaching is contrary to the word of God. That is a dead giveaway that this is indeed not a message from the Lord, but a message from somewhere else. This is perhaps one of the reasons God strongly commands against any attempt to communicate with the dead. For if the dead cannot communicate with the living, if God forbids that, then the message would not be from God and it would not be from the soul of the deceased person. If indeed there was a real message that came, it would be coming from another source. It would be some kind of demonic counterfeit. That's why the Bible is so strong in its warning against communicating or attempting to communicate with the spirits of the dead. Now, allow me to give this final warning. Uh, If you have been involved with the occult or necromancy or spiritism, if you've been involved in those arenas, repent and seek forgiveness and turn away from that practice immediately. Then take those objects such as Ouija boards and tarot cards and other objects such as that and get rid of them immediately. These practices provide a channel for demonic influence to enter into your life and into your home. Also, I would be cautious in allowing children to watch movies or shows in which there is regularly practiced contact with the dead portraying necromancy in a positive light. It could spark their interest in this area and instill a desire to explore this area. If you find your kids entertained by shows like this, clearly explain to them how psychics use various techniques to gain information and really are not doing anything supernatural, but really it's an art of deception that you don't want them to master. But also explain to them the spiritual danger of necromancy that indeed opens the door for demonic influence in their life. Well, losing a loved one is a painful thing, but this pain must not drive us to seek contact with our deceased loved one through psychics or mediums or through occultic means, which God clearly forbids. Instead, believers in Christ, we have the greatest message of comfort and hope. Although we cannot speak and communicate with those who have passed on now, we can know that they are eternally in the loving arms of God, experiencing all the joy and fullness of life in the very presence of God. And one day there will be a reunion. We will see one another again. And this time we'll never have to say goodbye. Paul speaks about this great hope in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He states, But we do not want you to be informed, brothers, about those who are asleep. In other words, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. See, Paul here says, Christians, we grieve. We feel the pain of death, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We have an everlasting hope, one that can never be taken away. The greatest message ever given that only believers in Christ can have. And he goes on to write this, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 
as sure as the resurrection of Christ is, so will be the resurrection and reunion of every believer in Christ. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are still left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Paul states that one day, the dead in Christ, the bodies, the, their physical bodies will be resurrected to glory and the eternal glorified body will meet the soul of the deceased. The soul now is in heaven in the presence of the Lord and will be reunited with their physical, eternal glorified body. But then Paul says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with them. Caught up. The Greek word there is harpazo. It means a sudden snatching. In other words, this event will be sudden, will be quick. As Paul says, uh, like a thief in the night, a sudden, violent, snatching away. The Latin word here is rapturo. That's where the English word rapture comes from in the doctrine of the rapture. That one day we will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so we, the saints of all the ages, the loved ones, your loved ones who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will always be with the Lord, forever be with the Lord. And the words goodbye will never be uttered again. And Paul ends with these words, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The great hope is that one day Christ shall return, and the dead in Christ, their bodies will be resurrected. Then we shall be taken up to heaven to have a great reunion forever and ever with all who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is the tremendous message of power and of hope that only believers in Christ have. Therefore, there's no need to turn to the false message and the false hope of the psychics and the mediums. Instead, let's gain our comfort and our strength from the very Word of God and the tremendous hope every believer in Christ has and to await for the day of our great reunion where we'll see one another again. So our pain with the loss of a loved one is only temporary and it can be comforted by knowing of the great hope that one day awaits each one of us, that one day we shall be reunited again and this time we'll never say goodbye. That is the great hope that overcomes even the pain of death which we'll experience just for a short while. May that great hope always be your strength. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you including articles, Pat's books, and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. 
Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Answers.